Well, welcome. I'm glad that you're here. Um, man, there's a lot of good people doing a lot of good things today. We're going to take off, and we're, and we're just going to rock it from this point forward. And so what I'd like you to do is, is grab your Bible, um, o- open it up. Our first verse we're going to look at is Matthew chapter 28. If you don't own a Bible, there's a Bible in, the row, uh, in a seat close to you, and there's also Bibles uh, back on that rack back there. And if you don't own a Bible, this is our gift to you, so Merry Christmas, whatever month this is. Um, we want to have our Bibles open. Uh, what I'd like to do right now is for all of us just to take a, just to take a moment. I don't know why you came in here. M- maybe you came in here because someone yanked you here or you were invited here or you've been coming for a long time. But I guarantee this, that God has a purpose for every one of us being in this room. Whether you know God or not, there's a purpose for you to be in this room. And so I want to take a moment and if you would, just close your eyes and just say, God, for whatever reason you have me here today. I pray that you show me who you are. I pray that you show me who I am. God, and I pray that during this time, my heart and my mind will be open to your Holy Spirit as you teach me. Thank you for my life today. Amen. I want to say this. A five-year mark is special, but what's been special has been growing together with you. I thank you for the patience that you've had with me. (laughs) You've had to have a lot of patience with me. (laughs) I thank you for all the tears that we've cried. I thank you for all the laughter that we've had. I thank you for that as a body, we've been growing together, really pursuing what it means to, to be a church and to be a project, moving and growing together. I want to tell you that I love you, church. I love being a part of this. I love leading this thing, teaching this thing. I love, I love how whatever gifts I can bring, I, I'm going to bring them. And what I really love even more than that is watching when you bring your gifts and as we are growing together as a church body. And that's kind of what we're talking about today, ministry partnerships. And so I, I want to give us a set of verses to remind us who we are and what we're called to be. And so if you would, the first verse we're going to look at is Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. If you have one of those blue Bibles, it's on page 576, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Many of you know this. This is pretty famous. Uh, And here's what it says. Jesus talking to us, and he says, therefore, and he's talking to us. He says, therefore, go and make, what does your Bible say? Disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Some know this is the Great Commission. And some know this is a great challenge as God is speaking to His church, us, His people, and saying, go and make disciples. You are how the world will know, is what Jesus is saying. Let's go to the next set of of verses here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. You can either write these down. It's on page 667 of your blue Bible, and you can look them up later, but we're going to rock it through a few verses. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says this. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Isn't that a cool word? Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. 
And so we look at the previous, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, and it's, it's Jesus, he's saying, you are how the world will know. And then we get to 2 Corinthians 5, 20, what we just read, and it's, and, and it's Jesus saying, through you, the world will know me, because you are an ambassador, and I want to give us 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, on page 663 of your blue Bibles, and this is what 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, now to each one... The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, I want to use those those three set of verses to really set up something that is going to drive what we're talking about this morning. And I didn't just helicopter into those verses and pick out what we wanted to say. I did proper exegesis of it. And so you can go and you can read through it and find it in its context. But this is what these verses say. It's saying that you are, your church, we, us, the church, we, God says you are to go and what? Make disciples, according to Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And you are his ambassadors, the Second Corinthians 5.20. And you are gifted for the common good, 1 Corinthians 12.7. Do any of these words sound like or feel like you're to sit in inaction? No. Let me throw another set in. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. Beautiful set of verses. This is what it says. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. Thank you, God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good. Well, that sets up what we're going to talk about today. I'm very excited to talk about what we're going to talk about. It's a lot of talking today. So the main passage that we're going to look at is Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 40. We're going to pick them apart today. So you can just grab your Bible to that spot. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 40. It's on page 573 of your blue Bible. And remember, our whole topic of what we're talking about today is our ministry partnerships. Why do we do ministry partnerships the way that we do it? So let's read the first part of Matthew, chapter 25. We'll start in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right, and He will put the goats on His left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. I want to pause right there. We'll get into the rest of the verses, but I want to talk about those verses right there. Just those few verses at verse 31 through 34. It says and it highlights that he, God, is the judge. God is the judge. I also want to remind us, as we look at the whole story and the whole narrative of the Bible, that this comes only after He gave all He had for us. Will He be the judge of us? So, 
God is the judge only after he gave all that he had for us. His son, Jesus, was sent to die on the cross and and paid for our sins. And that's called the substitutionary atonement. He paid for our sins. Jesus, his only son, died on the cross to pay for our sins because our sins was in need of a payment. And so God gave all that he had for us. Jesus in essence, and in reality, took our wrath. Jesus freed us from the penalty of sin. Like, this is an incredible message. And I say, amen. Because if we call on the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. And that means what? Our identity is secure. Secure in the person of Jesus Christ. As God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our fault. He sees the blood of his son that covers over all of our sins. And that alone says, Aaron Haven, sign me up for that. I need that. And God, thank you for that. Thank you for securing me. So he's the judge, but only after everything that he's done for us. Our salvation, once we call on the name of Jesus, he said, you shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the pit of hell. Saved from death. Saved from the bondages of this world. Saved from the evil one. Saved from sin. And it's only after our salvation, our salvation by the work of Jesus, when we think about it, has not removed our responsibility of good works. Our salvation hasn't removed our responsibility of good works. In fact, It has improved it. Are you with me on this? It has emphasized our responsibility to do good works. It's not an inactivity. Welcome, we are saved. Now let's go eat Cheetos. In fact, it has emphasized our responsibility. It hasn't hasn't dissolved it. It hasn't removed it. In fact, it said, I've improved why and how you should do good works. It's like Jesus. He's looking at us and saying, the people that are mine, look what they do. Look at the the people that call in my name, the people that have been plucked from the grips of hell. Look what they do with their actions. Why? Because they love me. That's beautiful. I have competed in three half triathlons, three half Ironmans. It's pretty impressive. (laughs) The first one was in Austin, Texas, a half Ironman, people. Boom, right there. That's the the first one. That That was a few years ago, and I trained for that thing. It kicked my butt. But look, like I really like that. That's, that's pretty impressive. Humbly impressive. <laughs> I mean, because of the half Ironman, here's the distances. You swim 1.2 miles. I was scared to death to swim the first time. I hadn't swam. And so I, I was like, I might die 1.2 miles. So I trained like no one's business. I was pretty confident with the swim because I trained a lot for that one, right? So you swim 1.2 miles and, and then you go and you ride for your bike for 56 miles. Have you ever done that? That hurts, okay? <laughs> Brittany did, yeah. How, how long did you just ride? 
60 last Sunday, very good, with, with Young Life, with the Young Life writing team. So there's a plug for Young Life writing team. Uh, okay, 56 miles hurts the bottom side, okay? Uh, and, and, then, and then you finish up the, the, the half here with a 13-mile run. So 1.2-mile swim, 56-mile bike ride, and then a 13-mile run. I did that. Is that impressive or what? That's awesome, that first one. Yeah, amazing. Simply amazing, Yeah. So I, so I accomplished that, and, you know, I'm young, in shape, all that stuff, and I moved down to Greeley. I'm like, hey, Chad Harding, my buddy, let's do a half Ironman. He said, are you smoking crack or what? I'm like, no. So we did it. We, we, we did the second one. Here's the problem, though. On the second one, I knew that I could. I knew that I did. I wasn't scared of dying in the water anymore. Like, I knew that I could do it the second time. So my training was, let's just say, not the best. I wasn't necessarily competing anymore. I was just going to complete it. And look how proud I am. <laughs> Woohoo. I didn't even make a box. Not even a shadow box. That's how pitiful that was. But we did it, right? Felt okay. Felt good. You get a massage at the end. You know, you still like, I'm, I'm kind of a stud. I'm not like a, well, a half Iron Man. That would be making me like a clay man. So I'm a clay man, right? So there, there's that one. Last year. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> This was last year's. Chad and I both signed up again. We do this every other year, right? Last year. But Chad's smarter than I am in a lot of ways. I'm better looking, all that stuff. But he's smarter. And so, so here's the deal. Like, we signed up, and, you know, now I've done two, so I'm really confident. I, the second one scared me a little, but I'm just, I'm just that good. So I'm like, here we go. I'm not even going to train. Chad's smart enough to go, okay, I'm going to bow out. Well done. I should have bowed out. This is my third one, right? I should be accomplished at this thing. Can I tell you, people were looking at me going, oh, that poor guy. Like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, the only reason I, com- I finished it was because I didn't want to waste my money. I'm like, I still need the massage, and I need that stupid medal that proved that I almost died today. Like, that, that, that. <laughs> I went from the first one being a competitor to my last triathlon being a completer. Hopefully, please, dear God, get me across this finish line. Like, that has been my triathlon experience. Next year's going to be different, baby. We'll, we'll see. I got apathetic. I stopped pushing. I stopped training. I stopped being part of the movement. And we can do the same thing as a church. And God is looking at us and he's giving us these verses and he's saying, focus in on who who I am. And in this chapter, let's return back to our Matthew here. The Matthew chapter 25 verses 31 through 34 says basically, I am the judge. I'm going to separate those sheep from the goats, the ones that have called on me. I'm going to do that. I'm the judge. Only after my son Jesus has paid everything for you. I I want to not take this out of context. If you have called on the name of Jesus, you are saved, period. Regardless of your action or your inaction, you're still going to get this cool medal. It says salvation. God is still proud of you. He still absolutely loves you. Okay? Let's put that in its context. But I want to push through here. Let's go to verse 35. Continuing on, I'm the judge. I'm separating the sheep from the goats. 
And then it says in verse 35, For I was hungry. Remember Jesus talking to us. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Action. Activity. When Jesus marked me as his... My life will be marked by how I respond to that. Jesus put his stamp and said, this is my son and this is my daughter. And the remainder of my life will be marked by how I live in response to that mark on my life. Somehow we've gotten, some of us, to the idea that Jesus has sealed me. And my response is, is to live a good life and study the Bible. I'm going to say that again. Theology is very important. Studying the Bible is very important. Our apologetics of being able to give an account for what we believe and why is very, very important. But some of us, and I'm talking to pastors especially, myself, some of us somehow have gotten the idea that Jesus has sealed me. I'm his. Awesome. And my only response is to live a good life and study the Bible. Though good, not necessarily the full picture of what God has called me and us to do and how to live our life. If you were with us two weeks ago, we talked about church and we took apart this word, uh, um, ecclesia. We took apart this word, and and a while ago, the word was hijacked, this word ecclesia, to mean a place that the church goes to worship, a building, a place. But then the the word was bought back in our current translations. This word ecclesia, when you come across it in your Bible, has now been translated to congregation, and it has been translated into the meaning of a people that are in movement. A people in movement over a purpose of Jesus Christ. This is the purpose. To make disciples. That first verse that we looked at. As his ambassadors. That are gifted for the common good. When we see this. And we see the word ecclesia. We know that our lives cannot be marked by inactivity. God has thrown the keys to the church to us. He said, I am going to empower you. Now go make a difference. Don't just be a completer. Be a competer. Push back the gates of hell. Don't just sit down. Let's go and let's do because you've been marked as my son and my daughter. You've been redeemed and bought back. If we were down south, man, that would be a huge amen. Which would give me opportunity to take a drink of water. Because I was thirsty. Okay. Let's go to verse 37. We'll wrap up this passage here. Matthew 25, 37. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, 
you did for me. Why do we do ministry partnerships? We're not going to be a church of inactivity. We're going to go as disciples and ambassadors. We're going to make a difference for the common good. All you have to do is open up your CNN page every morning and find out why his church is so needed today. We're here to be ambassadors, disciples for the common good. We're here to show the world that there's hope. We're here to point to Jesus Christ in everything that we do and say. When I and when we started Church Project five years ago, I was deeply convicted to be a church of action. And I knew that as a pastor, and at that point, I had preached many, many messages and led many organizations and congregations to this point. I knew that I was even in danger at this point of keeping my nose in the scripture and opening the mic on Sunday to teach and show how wise I am with all my theology. But my life would be marked by inactivity. Wow. It is dangerous when we round off the sharp edges of the gospel. We talked about contextualizing the message and taking it to our workplaces and spaces and however we can on the oil field or the, or the college campus, however we can. We're speaking the gospel message in a language that, we can, that the people around us can understand, but never in doing the contextualization of the gospel message do we water it down and take off and round off the sharp edges. Like Jesus gave us the gospel message, and part of it today, there might be a sharp edge driving into some of our skins right now as we read this message of Jesus saying, I will separate sheep from goats. Our life will not be marked by inactivity. God has called us to be a body, his ecclesia, that's surrounding the purpose of the gospel message on movement for him. Church. As the church affects us with an E, we affect the world. I hope I got that right. From what I understand in my literary studies here, grammar stuff. Did I have it wrong? Okay, here's what I think. Okay, it's all, it's all Brittany's the guru here. here here's what I, I've, I found out in my studies. I'm just showing you. I'm just kind of grasping at smart things that are beyond me right now. So, affect, okay, the capital A, as a verb meaning to influence something. Take it up with Google, okay? And, and effect, effect <laughs> the something that was influenced. However you want to put the E and the A, I'll say it this way, okay? As the gospel affects us, we affect the world. We have been affected by the gospel message, and may we take it out and affect the world. Not marked by inactivity. If in fact you know the true gospel, a follower of Jesus, it changes you. If in fact you are a follower of Jesus, this message will change you. Our fleshly propensity is to self-care and to worry about ourselves. And to not identify with the least of these that we read about. The thirsty, the hungry. It's easy for us to become a little more elitist, a little more snobby, a little more picky than Jesus. Why? Well, I worked hard 
Man, I, I went to school. I put in my time, and I'm reaping the results of hard work with my life. I'm over here because I've worked hard. Oh, but those bums, and we, I'll just say bums, okay, are over there because they're bums. They haven't worked hard. Not as hard as I have. And so we, we can become a Christian and we can become in our elitist camp, a very proud camp to be in, where it said we've worked hard for this and we begin to judge people that are not like us over there. And Jesus says this, he says this to us, no matter if you think you're elitist or you're actually serving the least of these like God's call us to do, this is what Jesus says to us. He says, I've done all the work. I, I've done it all. I came I died on the cross for your freedom, and as a beggar showing other beggars where to find food, that's how we can serve him, and that's how we can experience freedom. Jesus has done all the work on our behalf already. Yet without knowing it, some of us, and, and I dip into this often, probably daily and weekly, I, and I just it's just... I think human nature for us, without knowing it, without planning it, we can look up and say, hey, Jesus, thank you for doing all the work. Thank you for my salvation. High five, fist bump, pretty cool deal. I like that idea. I accept that. That's mine. Thank you for that salvation, Jesus. Now, please toss me the TV remote. And while you're at it, would you bring me a drink? Turn the lights down a little bit. Bring me my soft blanket that I like so much. By the way, I'm describing my Sunday afternoon ritual. We watch football. It should break our hearts that if that's the posture we take in regards to Jesus and serving the least of these, as Jesus has called us to be disciples, ambassadors, gifted for the common good. Yet we respond with a thank you for my salvation. Let's watch some TV. Church, God is calling us up. He is calling us. That is far from being a people rallied around a movement. We might as well just be an ecclesia, a building again. And homie ain't going there. Now I'll say this. We are far from perfect as a church. Would you agree? (laughs) Oh, yeah. It, it's not finished. We have, we have a long way to go, church. We've come a long way also. Yet, one of the things I love the most about our church is that we're looking at this. We're studying this now. We're talking about this right now. We're engaging in this. And quite honestly, we're doing this. We're doing being disciples and ambassadors, part of a movement that's for the common good, gifted all of us. We're rallying together. We are already doing this. I would say, let's keep doing this. Let's feed the hungry. Let's adopt. Some of us will adopt in this room. Let's serve. Let's come alongside. Let's keep getting dirty. Church, we're good at this. And we're going to keep being good at this. We're only going to get better at this. It's one of our pillars, ministry partnerships. We can't just remove it from what we do. It defines who we are. It's in our DNA. We will not be a church defined by inactivity. We are part of a movement. And we're doing a pretty dang good job right now. Let's not let up. 